Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hello, one and all, and welcome to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. This is Peter Hunt. On this episode, I'm going to discuss how to calculate pre-accident weekly earnings, or PAWE. So, to assess PAWE, one needs to look at Clause 4 of Schedule 1 to Maya. I've included a link to Schedule 1 below, so you can read along if you want to. The first subclause is reasonably straightforward. It states that pre-accident weekly earnings in relation to an earner means the weekly average of the gross earning received by the earner as an owner during the 12 months immediately before the day on which the motor accident occurred, unless subclause 2 applies. Now, what constitutes an earner is very complex and will be discussed in a future episode of this podcast series. For present purposes, I need to emphasise the following elements of the standard definition of PAWE. Firstly, we're talking about gross earnings, so it's earnings before tax. Secondly, the provision requires a calculation of the weekly average. Thirdly, the average is usually calculated over a 12-month period. And lastly, only earnings which are received count. I'll return to that last point later in this podcast. Now, doubtless you heard the part about unless subclause 2 applies. Subclause 2 addresses four situations where somebody does not have 12 months of continuous earnings to calculate. First, where the injured person was earning for a period of less than 12 months, the average is calculated over the lesser period. So if I haven't worked for some time, but commence a job in January, only to be injured in April, my PAWE is calculated over the 13 weeks I actually worked, rather than over the whole 12 months before the accident. Next, where an injured person has not received any income in the 12 months before the accident, but did work for periods of at least six months in the previous year, their average weekly earnings are calculated over that period in the previous year. This provision addresses the situation where an injured person may have been out of work for some time, but can demonstrate relatively sustained earnings in the year before the year of the accident. Thirdly, where the injured person's circumstances change for the better, the average is calculated from the date of the change to the day before the accident. So imagine my income increases, whether it be through promotion, change of jobs, or moving from part-time to full-time work, injured on 1 June, my PAWE is calculated from 1 January for a six-month period to 1 June. Finally, where the injured person only falls within the definition of earner, because they have entered into an arrangement to start employment or to commence their own business, the injured person's PAWE is calculated by reference to what they could reasonably have expected to earn under the arrangement. Now, clauses 5 and 6 of Schedule 1 deal with how the pre-accident earnings of students, apprentices, trainees and other young people should be calculated. But I think that's a complex discussion for another podcast. Where the injured person is aggrieved by an insurer's assessment of their PAWE, they can seek internal review. 
and is still dissatisfied, they can seek merit review at DRS. Now, two of the merit review decisions published on the CIRA website struck me as interesting. The first involved a claimant who was self-employed as a fisherman prior to the accident. Two issues arose in that particular matter. The first was the best source of information to estimate the injured person's average gross weekly earnings in the 12 months before the accident. The merit reviewer had available to them bank statements, a profit and loss statement prepared by the claimant's own accountant, and an accounting report obtained by the insurer. The merit reviewer ultimately relied upon the injured person's P&L statement on the grounds that the injured person's accountant had the best access to the best information about the injured person's business. This was so even though neither the insurer nor the merit reviewer had access to the source documents relied upon by the injured person's accountant. The second issue, which I found really interesting, is whether fixed expenses, which the injured person incurred in their fishing business, and which had to be paid whether the injured person worked or not, should be added back and included as income. These expenses included licenses, mooring costs, and insurance. The injured person argued that if these fixed expenses were not added back when calculating pre-accident gross income, then a self-employed person would be compelled to close their business when they were injured. The merit reviewer determined that the fixed costs should not be added back when calculating pre-accident income because there is no mechanism in the Act or the guidelines to permit this approach. Another intriguing claim involved a canteen manager. The complication in that matter was that the injured person had entered into an agreement before the accident for an increased hourly rate of income, which would have only become effective on a date after the accident. Importantly, the injured person had not received, and I emphasise the word received, their higher income before the accident occurred. The merit reviewer worked their way through Clause 4 of Schedule 1 to Maya. They accepted that Clause 4, bracket 3, was relevant because there was a significant change in earning circumstances and that this opened the door to Clause 4, bracket 2, bracket lowercase b. That clause says, if subclause 3 applies, the weekly average of gross earnings received by the earner as an earner during the period from when the change of circumstances referred to in the subclause occurred to immediately before the day of the motor accident. Now, based on the words in the section, the merit reviewer decided that the agreed increase was not applicable because the injured person had not received the higher income immediately before the day of the accident. The critical words in the clause are received and immediately before the day of the motor accident. Look, ultimately, PAWE disputes could easily be resolved if every injured person worked for more than 12 months before their accident and enjoyed a consistent income. Unsurprisingly, however, this is frequently not the case and insurers are required to calculate PAWE for injured claimants with variable income before the accident. In those cases, all stakeholders are required to work their way through Schedule 1 and do their best to apply the complex provisions to the circumstances of the claim on their desk. Now, as foreshadowed, we'll address what constitutes an earner, and we'll also address how average weekly earnings of students, apprentices, 
and other young people should be calculated in podcasts over the following weeks. In the meantime, if you have any tricky questions, feel free to contact me or any of the other Maya team at McCabe Kerwood and we'll do our very best to help you. Until then, thanks very much for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.